You are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. And we're going to talk today about medical spas. It's our job as doctors to make sure that our patients end up at those that are actually authentically medical. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Mitchell Goldman, author of 18 medical textbooks, 300 medical publications on dermatologic and cosmetic surgery. He is an associate clinical professor of dermatology at the University of California, San Diego, and the founder and medical director of the La Jolla Spa MD. Mitchell, do you in your facility do any kind of screening on patients who come in and, and want the entire works to make sure that you're not dealing with somebody who's going to really be a headache for you down the road? Well, whether you're in a medical spa or just a cosmetic surgeon, that is a very difficult problem because there are many people that do have unrealistic expectations. And whether we call it body morphic disorder or some other name, there are that, that population. But Michael, fortunately, even here in San Diego, the most common patient I see is the 40 to 50-year-old or 60-year-old who feels great, who's exercising, who, is maintain, who takes vitamins and is maintaining a healthy lifestyle. But when they look in the mirror, they don't see the person that they feel that they are inside, that they have more lines and wrinkles, and especially here in Southern California, a lot of sun damage. And those are the patients that we really tend to see in the medical portion of our medical spa. You see, these are not the patients that the average doctor I know thinks about when they think of a spa. They think of pure fluff. They think of nonsense treatments, worthless creams, but you're treating a lot, well, you're preventing a lot of skin cancer and doing a lot of treatments in that light, are you not? We are, especially with one treatment called photodynamic therapy, uh, which we've been doing in our medical spa and in my medical practice uh, for the last six years since it was FDA approved. And so with that treatment, what we found is initially we were doing that treatment only for the treatment of actinic keratosis, the pre-malignant lesions. And then we found that the side effect of the treatment was the patient was looking better. You got rid of all the solar lenticos or the age marks. It even got rid of some of the blood vessels with the way we're treating it with intense pulse light and pulse dye lasers. And so the side effect of preventing skin cancer and eliminating early forms of skin cancer was rejuvenating the skin. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with the technique. Could you give us a really quick run-through of what it's like for a patient in, in, in photodynamic therapy? Yes. With photodynamic therapy, we first perform a microdermabrasion on the face, followed by a, an acetone wash. And what that does is it takes away the very, very top basket weave layer of the skin, as well as serum oils, uh, uh, skin oils, to allow penetration of the FDA-approved product called Levulin, which is a 5-aminolevonic acid. That is then allowed to penetrate and be absorbed by the, both the precancerous cells as well as oil glands for approximately one hour. And after one hour, patient washes their face. We then perform what's called an intense pulse light treatment, uh, which basically does two things. It tends to vaporize off a lot of the solar lenticos or brown spots. It tends to uh, thermocoagulate or make disappear dilated blood vessels. And then it also activates the levulin. And then after we do that, we then use a pulse dye laser to further activate uh, any actinic keratoses that are around or to treat the hair bearing area. And then the patient finally goes into a blue light machine called the Blue U, and that further activates the uh, 5-ALA. So the entire treatment actually takes about, from the time the patient walks in the office to walks out is nearly a two-hour procedure. And what they get from that 
is not only treatment of existing precancers, but prevention of skin cancer, and then also an elimination of both the brown spots, sololenticos, as well as the telangiectasias, red spots. So in a sense, they get a full photo rejuvenation. So they get a two-for-one. They really do. What other works or things do you do on skin cancer or preventing that? Do face peels work? You know, I don't think face peels work very well, but there have been some studies using laser resurfacing. And so laser resurfacing, which is another uh, procedure we actually offer uh, here in our medical spa, and we offer it at various levels from very superficial resurfacing to an erbium YAG laser to fractionated resurfacing within a firm or an active FX laser or to the real resurfacing with the combination ultrapulse CO2 erbium YAG resurfacing. And so studies have shown that when we do resurface the entire skin down to probably 50 to 100 microns in depth, we do both eliminate early forms of skin cancer and prevent future development. I think this is important because all of our patients are coming in getting face peels at the beauty shop and, and the local mall. And I think it's important that we tell them that this is not really skin cancer prevention, as some of them are coming back and suggesting to me. No, and even worse than that, I had a patient not more than an hour ago come in getting some facial peels by a very good esthetician who refers me actually a lot of patients. And she had three of these what are called glycolic peels. And she has rosacea. And she came in and basically she had all these blood vessels and she had a very telangiectatic cheek and nose. And she was saying, you know, I spent all this money on these glycolics and the blood vessels are only getting worse. Well, of course, um, when you have too many aggressive treatments, especially in a patient prone to rosacea, that actually will exacerbate the rosation. So here, a very well-meaning esthetician at another, not medical spa, but other type of spa down the street was actually making this patient worse. And so we basically had to do what's called an intense pulse light treatment that got rid of those blood vessels. So Mike, your point is very well taken. What I find is that even the most well-meaning esthetician, because let's face it, the estheticians out there are not horrible people. They're people that want to make their clients, and we call patients, better, but they don't have that knowledge. And even though they're trying to do what they think is right, oftentimes what they're doing is not the correct treatment. And so what we have to do is literally fix the treatment. Florida last year passed legislation regulating medical spas. What do you think about regulating them, and how far should our legislatures go to insist doctors remain on the premises? Should this be legislated? Well, it's a very political question. You know, on the one hand, I would so much prefer that the physicians and the, and the people that run medical spas regulate themselves. Michael, that's not happening. Even though there are some medical spa societies, they have absolutely no regulatory uh, abilities or capacities or even rules set up. So Florida has taken that first step, which I think almost all the states are going to end up taking to try to put some kind of regulation and standardization into medical spas. And the reason Florida did this, and the reason even California is thinking of doing it, is because we're starting to see really significant problems that are occurring in the so-called medical spas that there is not a physician on staff at they're in the strip mall or if there is a physician uh, he or she is not a physician that's trained in any form of skin care and we are seeing thermal burns from lasers we are seeing improperly placed botox or botulinum toxin we are seeing improperly placed filling substances and other complications that are occurring from those areas and that's why Florida has taken that first step in trying 
to regulate because what do the state governments really want to do? They don't want to suppress business opportunities. What they want to do is ensure the safety of the public. And unfortunately, I think it's going to fall upon the legislature to do that. Right. By 2011, according to the Florida bill, the number of satellite offices supervised by dermatologists would be one. You won't be able to have more than one office that you can supervise. How do you feel about that? You know, I think it's correct. I think it's the right thing to do. It's, and, and I'm probably going to take heat from even my friends for saying that, but I don't think it's possible for a physician to be at two places at the same time. And even if you have incredibly well-trained staff, there really needs to be a physician available in order to treat any type of complication that can occur because, you know, we're not doing just light glycolic chemical peels in medical spas. We're doing real surgical procedures. You know, lasers are real surgical procedures. Liposuction is a real procedure. Treatment of leg veins is real. Even filling substances and and putting in uh, neurotoxins like Botox, those are real medical procedures that with real benefits to our patients, but in the wrong circumstances, they can also be problematic, and we really have to limit that. Well, let me play um, Angel's advocate here for a second. Nurse practitioners and PAs, our colleagues are using them in offices all the time, and essentially in a number of offices, letting them practice medicine. Why can't they be trained to do the procedures and run a spa like that? Well, most of the time they can be. And I have physician assistants and nurse practitioners as well. Now, they're, they're operating in my facility while I or one of my colleagues is also present in the facility. Um, can they operate totally independently? You know, Michael, they sort of are. You know, my, my nurses are performing mostly laser hair removal, and I'm not in the room with them when they're doing it. But I'm on site so that if there is a problem and if a patient gets a thermal burn or anything else, that I am there to help them and to ensure that that patient's going to get the best post-operative care. The key point I want to make for people when, when our patients talk about spas, it's not just about getting your hair removed. It's about the other potential dangers in diagnosing skin diseases, which I see all the time in my office, uh, misdiagnosed by non-dermatologic practitioners. And I said that kind of nicely to mean physicians, nurses, PAs, who are misdiagnosing things all the time and scaring patients and sending benign lesions uh, claiming that they may be melanomas. I think that we need to watch out for this for our patients. Well, one of the other big problems we've had recently here in San Diego is a a medical spa operating a strip mall with a laser and a patient comes in wanting photo rejuvenation that she had brown spots on the face and the patient was treated with this uh, intense pulse light by a very well-meaning nurse And the patient had a condition called lentigo maligna, which, as you know, Michael, can progress in some patients to malignant melanoma and be a very serious condition. And that was totally not known by the practicing nurse who was administering the intense pulse light. Um, And it's that type of misdiagnosis that really says that you have to or you really should have a physician uh, examining those patients. Do you think it would be a good idea for dermatologic surgeons or dermatologists who do have these legitimate spas in the area to make themselves known to the physicians in the area in the reverse instead of us looking for them? Should you be looking for us? I guess that's called marketing and advertising. And, um, boy, I'd love the opportunity for more uh, physicians to know that we're available. Do you do that? Well, a- absolutely. You know, if this is a business. It's like, yes, I'm a physician, but I- I'm not doing things for free. It's a business. And so to generate business... 
you know, we do do advertising and marketing, but I don't know how best to do it to my, my fellow colleagues. You know, the ones that know me refer patients to me, and I, and I have so many of my physician colleagues that will refer patients to my uh, facility. But, you know, how do you get the word out so that these physicians don't refer patients to the strip mall medical spas? I don't think they, they do. I think that's mostly, you know, a girlfriend-to-girlfriend type of referral. Hopefully we have woken up some of our listeners to start asking questions, to start looking around, and as I always do, testing facilities with my relatives, especially my wife. She always goes to every facility I check out first and tries everything first. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Mitchell Goldman, who's been our guest discussing medical spas and how to make sure your patients are properly and ethically treated if they choose to go to one. I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Please send us your emails, suggestions, questions, comments to xm at reachmd.com. And we truly thank you for listening.